Thank you for joining us for this community conversation on public safety. I'm WRFA Public Affairs Director Julia Cisla Hanley. In 2019, New York State adopted a law ending the assessment of cash bail in most cases involving misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies. The law aimed to reduce the risk that someone would be jailed because they could not afford to pay for release and reduce the unnecessary use of incarceration. In response to the death of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis in 2020, then-Governor Andrew Cuomo mandated law enforcement agencies across New York State to submit a final plan by April 2021 for the New York State Police Reform and Reinvention Collaborative Initiative. With it now being a year since those plans have been submitted and the ongoing discourse on bail reform laws, we felt it was a good time to check in with our local law enforcement as well as those who have been part of the local police reform strategic implementation efforts. I first would like to thank those of you who are tuned into the program on our airways at 107.9 FM, as well as those watching online. While we don't have an in-person audience at this event, those watching online are invited to submit questions for our panel using the comments section that I will ask you to make brief comments as well. And we do ask you to uh, keep your questions brief. If we have time allowed, we will ask those questions. Also, this program is made possible through funding for the, by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting's American Rescue Plan Act Stabilization Grant Fund. So we will now begin to introduce our panel to, of guests to you. On my far left, we have Tamu Graham Reinhardt. She is the chair of the City of Jamestown Police Reform Strategic Implementation Committee. Next over is Tim Jackson, who was the City of Jamestown Police Chief, and to my immediate right, we have Jim Cottrone, who is Chautauqua County Sheriff. So. Welcome, all of you. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Mm -hmm. So, Tamu, we're going to start with you for our first question. Okay. And as I mentioned before, yeah, it's been a year now since the police agencies in New York State were ordered to file a police reform and reinvention collaboration plan. So where, where are we now right now with this plan? Um, I think <clears throat> I think it depends on the part of the plan that you're referring to. I think some of the things that we've been able to do have been productive and we've gotten right on and some of them are a little bit more long term. So uh, what I will say is that even though it, it came out of a result of, you know, uh, horrific death of George Floyd, I think it, what, what it has done is um, given us a chance to kind of reconnect with law enforcement and really kind of get an understanding of what it is they do and um, how... Uh, we may have a preconceived notion of how law enforcement works uh, from what we've seen on the media or from what we've heard in other places, but I have found it to be just very good conversation to have with um, the chief and his his officers. So we are we are in different stages. We were able to get a community resource officer almost right away, so Matt Reinhardt's doing an amazing job. and. Um, I won't out him yet, I guess. No. Um, but, uh, so Matt's been great, and um, we we were meeting monthly, but it really didn't seem to work with regard to some of the things that we're hoping to do because some of them are real, really long-term planning, and it requires some partnerships. And so we did the we did the short things first. We did we got Matt Reinhart in, and and then um, some of the members of the um, African American community requested that there's some. Um, some uh, anti-bias training and cultural competence training. So we gave the chief to go ahead and he's already, he did all of his officers, which is fantastic. So we've, we've started the ball rolling and I'm feeling pretty good. Great. Uh, chief Jackson, uh, same question. So where are we now with implementation of this plan? Obviously is from your perspective, you're doing maybe things differently from what the committee is working on. Well, we're working with the committee. So um, a lot of the objectives that came out in the plan and it was called a reform plan, which I, 
I think the sheriff will agreement, agree with me, we're not fond of that term because it implies that you're doing something wrong. But regardless, uh, it did allow us an opportunity to communicate with the public and find out what the public and the community really want from their police department. So uh, like Tam Moo mentioned, the community resource officer has been a great asset to bridge the gap and make communication easier between the community and the police. Uh, aside from that, uh, recruitment is difficult, although we are going to up our recruitment uh, strategies now that the pandemic is hopefully over um, in the schools. Um, last year, we conducted over uh, 370 community service details, which is a lot, and 1,145 beat patrols. Again, that's nothing new. I mean, beat patrols have been around forever, but that's a lot. I mean, that's what the community wanted. From the city surveys also, we learned that the community uh, wanted more narcotics enforcement, so we upped our efforts in that. So it was a learning experience for the police department and um, hopefully for the, for the citizens of Jamestown as well. So it was a good, it was, I, I was glad we went through with it, mm -hmm. the plan. Sheriff, uh, the county had to do its own plan, Correct. and uh, so uh, obviously we have two members here from Jamestown, but what is uh, happening with the county's plan for or what, or what changes have been brought forward with it? Sure. As the chief had mentioned, he, he was happy he did the program or the uh, initiative. It was no secret that I was opposed to the reform that was, in my opinion, forced upon the, the agencies. However, um, and the reason I was opposed is I felt much, much of the things that we were doing or we were required to do, we'd been working on. Um, as the chief mentioned, I like to use the word uh, police evolution because we should be looking at the things we're doing, the operations we're doing, and looking for ways to change and to improve on a regular basis. So you know, that's the term I've been using is police, uh, police evolution, but it was a great experience. It was opportunity to meet with different groups. Um, as Tamu had mentioned, uh, the anti-bias training, um, we've been able to get all of our officers through that and, um, and also been looking at uh, de-escalation uh, training. While we've done that, uh, we are looking at different ways that we can continue in all of our training to implement de-escalation training. Um, but the hiring practices, um, the frustration is, is uh, we have a, a civil service, which is good in one aspect, but it does limit the pool. And uh, many times when we look at the, the way the civil service is, it, it limits who we can select from. Mm -hmm. And so statewide, we are trying to get that changed mm -hmm. you know, where we can make it more localized so we can have a test and ideally we would have like a pass or fail. And then each county um, would have certain things that they were looking for uh, and to give added points to their, the scores. And uh, we feel that that would be a better way to represent our communities, uh, to get more diversity in our, our hiring. Um, and uh, it's one of the things that uh, I was able to do uh, recently with uh, Chautauqua Striders and um, uh, Sally Vasquez and Eli Vasquez is go to Jamestown High School um, and primarily with the Latino uh, population of the school, um, not the whole school, but a group of uh, students talk about law enforcement. And uh, that was very rewarding because we had uh, some of the students come up and say, realize that they could get into law enforcement. Um, and uh, so I think we all benefited from that. Uh, 
Well, I'm hoping the students benefited. I can tell you that the officers on the panel, it was a great uh, uh, experience for each one of us. Mm -hmm. so. And one thing to note is that for anybody who is interested in reading these plans, they are available on uh, City of Jamestown's website, jamestownny.gov. And on the Sheriff's website, Sheriff, can you remind me what the Sheriff's website is? Sheriff.us. Very simple. And, and you know, to mention that is the idea with the uh, Department of Criminal Justice Services um, They've assured us that they've gone through each one of the over 500 plans. Um, I'm not, I haven't seen what they've thought of them. We've, we've got no feedback uh, from Department of Criminal Justice Services and uh, something we, I think most of the agencies who went through the process would have liked to get some uh, mm -hmm. feedback from the uh, Department of Criminal Justice Services. Hmm. So. Interesting. So our next question, um, and, and Jim, I'm going to start with you. Uh, there's been a lot of public discourse, whether it be protests, comments at public meetings on public safety since George Floyd died. And what have you been seeing happening over the last two years in terms of police interactions with the public? Now, you've obviously you've mentioned some just now with in terms of schools, but in general, in terms of maybe just general interactions, what has been the community's response to law enforcement? I think overall in Chautauqua County, I think the city as well as uh, throughout the county, um, there's great support for law enforcement. Um, I think we need to listen to our community members. Uh, our community members need to be willing to share with us and have some civil discourse. Um, you know, and, and that's, I think that's a, a critical. Um, actually, I'm going to throw Tamu's uh, father under the bus because uh, <laughs> um, um, for those of you who know Ron, um, he, he is um, point blank. Um, we've had some really great conversations and... Um, you know, one of the things that sticks, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to say it exactly the way Ron said it, but, you know, while we may disagree on different things, if there's a problem in our community, we want to be able to come together and come up with a solution. And I, I just really valued that, um, our, our coffee break um, to, to meet. And, uh, but I think we need more of that, mm -hmm. um, whether it's individuals or groups. Um, I know the chief has also done uh, uh, coffee with a cop. And um, not to stereotype us, but uh, you know we do like our coffee, and it's, it's a great opportunity to to get community input. Mm -hmm. And um, our goal at the sheriff's office is to go out in the different communities. Um, you know, before the program started, we talked about how what is needed in Ripley might be different than what's needed in Jamestown. Well, I shouldn't say might; it is different uh, versus Hanover or any of the townships. So it's important for us to get out into the community to listen to our public to see what their needs are but also what their wants are. And uh, um, so we are going to continue to do that and continue to listen to what the public says. We're encouraging our officers. We have a, a link on our intranet site where as the officers meet with community members, they can share uh, with the administration what they're hearing. Interesting. And, and you know, put it out there. I also love my coffee, and I don't know if that's a stereotype as well, but uh, I know that I stay out of jail because of it. So going, on, going to, uh, to uh, um, Tim, Chief Jackson, uh, what, what are you seeing in terms of, I mean, I, you've, we're both at the same city council meeting, so you're seeing a lot of uh, public comment on public safety. Uh, what are your officers and what are you yourself hearing out in the community? We're hearing and seeing a lot of support. We really are. I think once we opened up and made it easier for people to communicate with the police department, it just made it, it just increased our support and we are seeing a lot of support. Um, like this week is police week, the start of police week and we've seen a lot of support from the community uh, all around. So 
at first it, there was, you know, I, I think once we started to listen more to the community, that was one of my goals as chief. It just helped. So we've seen a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Timu, obviously you're, you're not in the police department or sheriff's department, but from your perspective, um, what is your sense for the um, interactions between law enforcement and, and general public here? You know, I think, I think it's gotten pretty, to be pretty good. Um, Chief Jackson's done a great job with his, his police force. And I also kind of look at his police force as some, some rather young, much younger people. And, you know, so I also look at his force as like kind of like that transition between those of us who are Gen X and, the, you know, and they, they just come from a, from a very different place. They grew up in a very different way of life. And so I, I think to some degree, some of the stuff that has been happening has been a little confusing to them. Maybe because it just it just wasn't the way they were raised, and so um, I see his officers at events. They're at schools. The the the, the dog is in the schools. The, um, the retired officers that we've been able to hire at Jamestown, they have a relationship with. So I would I would say it's it's getting better, and we're really working hard to continue to really get our young people. You know, as a result of like that um, your uh, your meeting, uh, Sheriff Quatron. I. Uh, got the names of the kids, so I have a list of names, but I didn't want that to kind of just like nothing happen. Like the kids got excited about it, and so what now what? And so I'm trying to figure out how to, I've had just one just initial kind of like what do you guys do meeting with um, law enforcement, fire, and EMS, because those are all areas that are local that we have a significant shortage in, and how do we begin to see, have some of our students begin to see themselves in these careers? And so it just is the tip of the iceberg, but I'm hopeful that we'll start to see that more. Um, yeah, I'm hopeful that we'll start to see that more. Mm-hmm. And even though I think we all know, if you can remind listeners, you work for Jamestown Public Schools. I do, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's your title there with them? I am um, the coordinator in the student, uh, multi-tiered student support services department, but I really focus on equity and diversity and inclusion issues. And so um, the lens through which I work for me is, um, are all of our kids getting what they need to be successful, regardless of race, uh, socioeconomic status, or anything like that? Are are we doing the right things in the classroom? Are we doing the right things with discipline? Um, Are we making, giving them the right connections in the community and giving them a a kind of like a purpose for um, being? You know, I think COVID has, taken our kids and just kind of given them this kind of like, what's the point um, kind of attitude because they were closed up for so many years. And so it's now getting them kind of, trying to get them connected with things and, and, and say, you know, I can do this or I have, there's a purpose here. And so that's kind of some of the things that we're working with. And some of those things are, you know, of course we want students to go on to be successful uh, live successful lives after graduation. Not everybody goes to college, but we need lots of different things here. You know, we have job openings all over. And so for kids who um, not sure they want to go to college right away or might want to go later, there's all kinds of things we should be connecting them to through partnerships and internships and and just relationships with people in the community. So I'm kind of trying to work that angle as well. Mm-hmm. Good information. Um, starting with... Uh, Police Chief Jim Jackson here. You and I talked a little bit before him, but what would you say some of the most pressing issues for public safety are right now? The pressing issues right now, at least in Jamestown, are narcotics, and it's been that way for years. That continues to be an issue. Um, More gun incidents, that's an issue as well. 
uh, mental health, including overdoses, is an issue. And like I said earlier, recruitment for new officers is, believe it or not, an issue. Um, so those are con those continue to be issues in Jamestown, especially the narcotics. Mm -hmm. So, we'll go back to you. Same question. What are you seeing as the pressing issues here in Jamestown? I. I would have to agree with the chief. The narcotics slash mental health piece, because we're seeing a lot of um, students that are struggling with mental health issues in the schools. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more students with um, pretty severe um, behaviors and, and social emotional learning, and so <clears throat> that uh, can that's connected to you know maybe what family life was like, and that that spills over into a lot of different places. So. I, I think also we're seeing behaviors, more consistent behaviors, uh, or let's say more consistent. We're seeing more um, um, agreed. I want to say egregious, but they're, they're the types of behaviors that we're seeing that we used to see in a small segment of the population of students. We're seeing larger segments of that, and I think it's a, a reflection of just how the pandemic really kind of pushed people to their limit, and so we're seeing. Um, some of the mental health that the chief is talking about as well in our kids and as well as with the families. And I, I you know, I was talking to the chief uh, several times when I was on council and that mental health piece really, we need more, you know, that's not a law enforcement thing, but that's what they get called to do. They're not certified counselors, they're not social workers, they're not, you know, they are called to respond to an incident. And I think the public or people might get frustrated with the limits of the limits to what an officer can do. They can only go up so far and then they have to hand it off. And oftentimes, you know, that that handoff doesn't happen or they've done their part and whatever's supposed to be there isn't there. So they're you're kind of seeing um, the same thing over and over again because that's their role has, they have served their purpose, they've done what they were called to do, mm -hmm. and it needs to, it needs to go somewhere else. And I think that's what's, that's a really big missing piece in supporting law enforcement is what's that somewhere else and where is it gonna come from and how do we bridge that gap? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've seen in other communities where police are called to a mental health situation where someone from mental health would have been a better mm -hmm. responder, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of trying to understand what is happening, but mm -hmm. uh, I can, go on, maybe explore on that a little bit, excited, but I don't want to skip the uh, sheriff here. That's and in terms of public safety in the whole county, what are you seeing as these pressing issues? I think what we're seeing in the county is the same as we're seeing in the city. Yeah. Um, spread out further because of the population, but we are seeing that intersection of drugs and uh, mental health. And, and so often those who are incarcerated, we see a um, co-occurring, you know, both mental health and uh, substance use disorder. And so, so the people that are coming to the jail, often because of bail reform and different issues, and, and they're not in jail to get the treatment. Unfortunately, many of these individuals, um, the, tr the treatment they get is in the jail. And when they're out, they're not connecting to get the treatment. So now they're not coming to jail as often, but when they come, they're sicker. Um, but in the community, when we see the, the narcotics issues, uh, the mental health issues, um, the, the violence, um, you know, that's where we are trying to work together. Um, Chief and I, um, Chief Ortolano from Dunkirk, um, Chief Price, and, and really all the uh, chief 
chiefs in the county of trying to work together. And we're hoping to uh, build on a partnership uh, with the FBI. Yeah, I don't mean to take part of your uh, presentation <laughs> away, but um, <laughs> this is something we've realized if we're going to combat these, uh, the, the drug problem. And, uh, and honestly, I think when we look at drugs, we look at uh, the gun violence with guns is, uh, and I, I keep on throwing in there human trafficking. I think we see a lot of that. Um, or, and maybe we don't see it because people choose not to look for it. Um, but when we start to look at that, so we want to not just focus on narcotics, but look at the, the big picture and that intersection of, of the narcotics, the, the gun violence, uh, the uh, trafficking, other crimes that are occurring with it um, to try to combat that. And by working together, uh, we can share information back and forth. We have the resources from the uh, FBI, the DEA to work with us. So when we're doing investigations, we do have more resources here in Chautauqua County, here in the city of Jamestown, city of Dunkirk. I, I know the uh, County Mental, Department of Mental Hygiene has very early um, started uh, this mobile crisis unit for mental health. I mean, have you been able to see any use of that, at least at Jamestown or, in Dunk or, or countywide? Or? So I didn't want to jump ahead because uh, I, I okay. do, do know one of your uh, next questions is, is anything positive to report? Well, um, well why don't we start with you then, okay. <laughs> Cheryl? Because so, we've talked about, you know, you know, what are problems, you know, but, you know, there's a sense that, you know, there have been positive things happening. So, sure. I mean, sure. I probably jumped the gun on you a little bit. No, that's here. fine. Yeah, uh, so. so, you know, there's, there's a, I think there's a lot of positive things happening in this county. Mm -hmm. Ian, we took a negative um, that happened you know, with the George Floyd. And while there was some contentious times uh, at the beginning, I think we have taken that negative and been able to turn it into positives. And in one of those areas, you know, when we started hearing different issues, um, you know, we hear the, the term uh, defund the police. And I think there's different meanings to that. Mm -hmm. But one, you know, I believe that the big part of that is, is you know, to collaborate better with the providers, the mental health providers uh, that can offer the assistance uh, to those who are in emotional crisis. Um, so for many years, Chautauqua County has had a partnership with the uh, Chautauqua Opportunities as a, a mobile crisis team that works in the evening hours, um, from five in the evening, I believe, until eight or nine in the morning, and then on weekends that we can call them out. Uh, Recently, within the last year, I believe, the county mental hygiene department has started their mobile crisis that is operating during the daytime. And I think ultimately with the goal of having um, teams in the north end of the county and the south end of the county and being able to operate uh, 24 hours. However, right now, staffing has been an issue yeah, is, is with anything. So uh, we continue to uh, work with that. We've seen some positive uh, relationships built out of that. Um, it's not perfect, and that's because, you know, while we feel that there's a lot of calls um, to have a team uh, stationed and be in the right location at the right time, uh, sometimes uh, we don't have enough time uh, to, to be there. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about, um, we had our, uh, this year, um, last month, we had a crisis intervention team training um, with members of the Jamestown Police Department, the Sheriff's Office, um, Dunkirk Police Department, um, the state police officer was there, and I, I think one other department. But this is an uh, effort to train law enforcement officers 
how to re better respond to uh, calls that somebody's in emotional crisis. But it, it's got to be a team effort, and it's not just law enforcement, but we need the mental health providers. So our goal there is to divert from not only taking them to jail. We don't want to do that because jail isn't a place for somebody who's in emotional crisis. Uh, and, but the emergency room is not always the best place either. So if we can divert and get the proper services um, without taking them to one of those two places, um, that's a win. Um, the big win is uh, we look at uh, less injuries to those who are in emotional crisis, less injuries to the officers, um, and really a, a community, when, when we look at the family members of those uh, who are struggling with mental health issues or emotional crisis, it, it's a benefit to the families as well. So. Wow. Yeah, I, I hadn't been aware that, that that kind of training had been taking place. And so that's really interesting to hear about because... Yeah, that, and our, yeah. our goal is to have that training once a year to train more officers. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of it. We were able to get a state senate grant to pay for this first class. So mm -hmm. they paid for the instructors and backfill for the officers. And um, so next year we'd like to have another one um, with anywhere between 20 and 24 officers in that um, from all the agencies. And uh, this... We will have at least yearly training, updated training, uh, to, to keep the officers fresh. Um, and ideally, we'll get those officers responding to these calls along with, you know, they may be the first ones to go because mobile crisis isn't always the best to go to a violent call. But, um, you know, then the mobile crisis, um, we're working with our dispatch, we're going to be working with our dispatchers to train them how to triage the calls. Um, to better know who to dispatch. Do we dispatch law enforcement? Or do we dispatch a mobile crisis team? So, okay. uh, Chief Jackson, what I are think, what I are think the, the sheriff took my response? Oh no, no, he <laughs> pretty think, much covered it. But. No, I would say because I, I am familiar with some positive things <laughs> that are happening at the city level. But if yeah. you can expand, um, sure. Yeah. Uh, number one, like the sheriff mentioned, the mobile crisis we have used, we have been using them a lot more, mm -hmm. and they've been very helpful. Um, when they when they do respond, um, also our collaboration with local, state, and federal law enforcement. I had a press conference on Monday um, about our renewed efforts to curb the the violence in Jamestown, and we're going to start a partnership on that. Um, another positive is it's Police Week, where we uh, honor the the officers that are here, and unfortunately, some that died in the line of duty. Um, but there's a lot of positive going on in the community. Our, our, again, I, I've said it earlier, people love the interaction. When we go to community service events, um, the schools, and just showing our walking the beat, bike patrol. So that, that's been a very, very good positive, and we'll be doing more of that this summer, too. Mm -hmm. People really seem to be liking the police uh, department's Facebook page. I've noticed. <laughs> yes. Do you want to yes. talk about that a little sure. bit? Yeah. We I have a we have a community resource officer that <laughs> Officer Reinhardt. Um, <laughs> he is excellent at it. That's like in. Uh, he, he's just great at it. I don't know what to say. That's his like niche. That's yeah. what he's good at. And mm -hmm. uh, you know we all play a part on the on the social media. But he, he does run the page, and he's excellent at it. He puts out information, you know, it could be about a road closing, not just law enforcement, but anything. Mm -hmm. So it's good to have that interaction with the community. Mm -hmm. He's been a great tool. I just want to jump in because um, Officer Reinhardt does do a great job. And that, if 
the chief wasn't going to mention. I was going to bring that up again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mind letting them know because in our annual goals and objectives uh, for the sheriff's office, you know, I mentioned Officer Reinhardt, and uh, while I did not have a community resource officer in my reform plan, that's something that we want to move towards. Um, and it's a little bit more difficult in the, you know, the broad area that we have to cover, but what I, the goal is to have a community resource officer who can help coordinate mm. and get, hopefully get more officers involved throughout the different zones in the mm -hmm. county. So um, we are hoping this summer to uh, partner with a, a local ice cream truck to be able to because I like my ice cream, mm -hmm. uh, better than donuts. Uh, but I, I want to be able to get into different communities uh, to reach uh, um, kids and, and, and adults alike. Uh, and just to be able to combine that with giving resources, information, um, and uh, working with Prevention Works and, and having a combination, um, we were able to receive a grant to do some of that work uh, within the county over the next three years. Wow. Yeah, the, I, I've heard about the ice cream truck, and that's interesting to hear that uh, you'll be doing a collaboration with them, too. Yes. So, um, Tamu, I have not forgotten you. <clears throat> oh, that's uh, okay. So, so, so oh. from your perspective, I mean, what would you say are the positive things that you could report on? You, I, I guess I go back to um, what the sheriff said about the presentation he did at the high school and the fact that 45 kids showed up just to ask questions, just because they were interested, or maybe just to get out of math, who knows. But it was, um, it was encouraging to see that there are still young people who are interested in the career, and as well as young people of color who maybe never saw themselves working in that line of work. And so it, was, it, was, it gave me hope, it gave me some encouragement, and that's what kind of got me going down the road of what other things can we begin to look at within our community to partner uh, to, to, to try to give our students some exposure to other types of careers. So I've seen that as a really great positive, but I, I do have to say that um, I have seen an improvement in community relations. I've seen, you know, people seem to be, I know we have this, you know, people are talking about rising crime, but I don't get the sense that uh, it's really the fault of law enforcement or people are taking anything out on law enforcement. I think they recognize the extent to which they're, you know, able to do what they're able to do given given the resources they have. Um, so I, I'm feeling kind of positive about the way things are going to go in the future, especially if we're able to hire extra officers and um, just really kind of galvanize the community maybe a little more cohesively um, with the with the partnerships that they're talking about, with the partnerships that the district is talking about, um, and and community members who just you know, live here and want this to be a safe place. And so I'm, I'm encouraged by the collaboration that I'm starting to see with law enforcement and agencies and schools because it really is a community and we all live here. So that's, I could, you know, for me, it's kind of um, uh, not any one thing, but just kind of a movement toward maybe something better in the area, hopefully, that we can just continue the momentum. So the next question is kind of, a, I want to say a data-heavy question, but uh, we've heard a lot of information about crime, you know, concern about crime being on the rise and, you know, what's happening statewide. And 
we've had reports in to city council about you know numbers from you know last year and things like that. But what I was kind of curious to say, what is the data showing right now? Obviously, we, we hear a lot of things in the news, including on our station. But um, start to, uh, with Chief Jackson. What what is the data showing you right now with crime in Jamestown? Uh, last year, the crime in Jamestown actually decreased five percent. So we were unlike many communities that showed an increase. Across the board, our crime rate decreased about 5%. So that's obviously another positive thing I should have mentioned. But um, yeah, it's decreased. So we are different from other communities. However, the gun-related incidents are increasing. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned on Monday it was either you or Mayor Sunquist, I think, had mentioned you know, just the number of um, gun incidents so far this year. I think there's been, I'm trying to think of how many gun incidents compared to even last year, the total number last year. And it was thinking. I, I think we're at 27 that incidents. we've confiscated. Oh, 27 conf firearms. Fire we've, firearms uh, confiscated. Yeah. I think was it something like 90 something last year total? Mm -hmm. So now we're, we're through, just through the first quarter of the year, and you're on target to. If, if it continues the same, where you're looking at possibly confiscating over 100 guns this year. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that, does, that is a definite, you know, in contrast to overall crime, mm -hmm. you know, that there's certain types of crime that we're seeing increases in. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Last year, we were fortunate that we were able to increase our, our engagement with the community and lower the crime rate at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I was very pleased with, the, yeah. with that outcome. Yeah, I would imagine probably goes hand in hand. Definitely it should. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, Sheriff, uh, what are you seeing at the county level? I, I, I have to admit, I haven't seen a report in a while. I, that's part of the problem of only being in the job for just over a year. But uh, what are the, the the stats for the county right now? So, I actually was looking up the stats statewide um, for New York State from the Department of Criminal Justice Services while they don't have the 2021 data. Mm. So we saw an increase um, from over the last five years, so up through 2020. As the chief mentioned, the unofficial data for 2021, um, for the county, we've, we're seeing a decrease. Uh, statewide, we've seen a decrease. But it's interesting, and I, you know, as the chief mentioned, he's seen community involvement, community engagement, and then the crime going down. So. While I'm not an uh, expert on the statistics, it seems like there's, there, there's likely a correlation there. Um, and I think when, when we can see um, that community relations and community interaction um, in getting our community to buy in and, and not allowing the crime to happen in communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I say that, meaning you know, reporting it. And when they feel more comfortable talking to law enforcement, we're going to get more uh, crimes reported, more suspicious uh, situations reported, and hopefully we can be able to prevent that. Um, but we did, we had been seeing an increase in, in crime up through uh, 2020, and now we're seeing, again, decreases. Um, and we haven't seen as much gun issues out in the county as we're seeing in the city. Um, and I shouldn't say because the city is part of the county, so that's why, um, you know, we've, this last year, uh, we were able to uh, partner with the uh, city police uh, during their give details and have a, a deputy riding uh, along with an officer. And, and that's been a good um, collaboration because our officers um, have an opportunity um, to, you know, learn who some of the um, players are, if you will, some of the um, 
uh, individuals. We had a, a burglary that happened out uh, in uh, just out, uh, outside of the city of Jamestown in Ellicott, um, where you know, the person who was burglarizing in the building, um, our deputy who arrived on the scene was able to know the guy by name um, because mm -hmm. somebody he'd met uh, during mm -hmm. the give detail. <laughs> and um, yeah, so, so I think those are, are positive interactions. Um, and you know, hopefully we're going to continue to see uh, crime rates decrease and with the enhanced collaborations between local, uh, county, state, and the federal agencies, that we're going to see, hopefully be able to see uh, a reduction in the number of guns, that, illegal guns, that mm -hmm. are coming in um, to the county and to the different areas. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned it a couple times, give detail. Can you explain what that is? I'm going to turn that over to the chief because <laughs> oh, okay. I have an idea, but he uh, it's, understands the... It's gun in a, it stands for Gun Initiated Violence Elimination. Okay. And basically over the summer, we pair up. Um, it's, a, it's a state grant. It's a, called a give grant. Mm. And we, um, we pair up with a sheriff's deputy, and we target certain areas of high, high crime. And it's, it's meant for guns, obviously, and, and narcotics, and, and of course, any other type of violence, but that's what it's meant for. That's what it's for. So yeah, it's been a great collaboration mm -hmm. with the sheriff's office. Yeah, and I do recall seeing you know, where the city had to accept grant funding for that, yes. and so that does give a better explanation of mm -hmm. um, what that program does. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Chimu, uh, uh, in terms of crime data, and I guess I, I, obviously you're with the Jameson School District, you're with the, the Reform and Reinvention um, um, Committee, but do you have anything that maybe you, you, you've seen or know of um, in data-wise in terms of crime stats here? Or I, I really, you know, defer to the, the officers on that. Um, so it's encouraging to hear, you know, that even though we uh, we we we've, we've been hearing a lot in the news lately about gun violence and adding officers that we are making some inroads and you know maybe the silver lining out of what happened to that poor man is that we're recognizing that we need to be more connected as a community right and that we need to um, be more collaborative and look out for each other and um, be more engaged uh, with the, with the, uh, the agencies and the community and the, and the population. And so I think, um, as you know, going forward, I'm, I'm hopeful that the, the numbers go down, continue, continue to go down. Um, and, but, um, you know, as far as the data, I don't know too much about the data. And so I'm glad to hear it's going, it's getting better. Yeah. So, this will be one of our last questions before we open up the conversation to uh, audience questions. So, Tamu, we'll start with you. Okay. So, and because this is a natural one, is when it comes to community involvement, what can the average citizen do to get involved with making communities more safe? Um, for me, you know, it's it's it's. I've just kind of been watching the last couple of years as our as our society has changed. So, when we moved into our house, the street was just full of families and little kids, and it just it just wasn't an issue. And I. Um, I, I think we've become, and I think COVID just made it worse, we've become more introverted and more um, isolated from each other, even if we live across the street from each other. And so as I think the sheriff was saying, as communities start to engage with each other and with law enforcement, you, you kind of get them to start seeing that, you know, not, not on my street, this is not going to happen, you know, because people are, are, are 
would be kind of like taking back their neighborhood, right? We're not gonna, you're not gonna do this here. Take take that someplace else. And so I think with the work that law enforcement is doing and trying to be out there, I, I think we'll start to see that more. And and just as we're coming out of this pandemic, I think people will be out more anyway. So I believe that's going to be helpful. But again, with the, I really think that the um, the social media piece has given people a lot more opportunity to engage. With law enforcement, I know there were, you know, the one or two times I've had to call the police department, I'm like, is this an emergency? Is it a non-emergency? Who do I call? What do I say? But you can just kind of put something up there and they, they're usually quick to respond. So you felt like you've been validated. And um, I, I think as far as the community, you know, in general, um, I, I think it's important that they recognize that it's not an easy job. Law enforcement is not an easy job. And we, we, while they are um, professionals and they have training and, and a lot of things, there's a lot of stress in the job. And to be mindful of, sometimes there are stressful situations that, they, that officers have to deal with and we have to kind of recognize that, um, you know, how to interact with that when, when, when it becomes a stressful situation so it doesn't escalate. So I think it's also incumbent upon the community when they interact with um, law enforcement to recognize that this could, this could escalate or this could de-escalate, kind of like what um, the sheriff was saying. So it's really understanding and, and really sitting down. I, mean, I think that one of the things Officer Reinhardt offered to do and some of the sheriff's um, officers did was they really answered a lot of the students' questions, you know? And, and I wasn't there, but I'm sure that there were some tough ones based on what they'd seen on social media or what they'd heard and, you know, really being able to be transparent and say, you know, in my shoes, you know, I'm just, there are days when I'm just distressed and just as scared as you might be. So it's just, it's really opening up those conversations uh, and really understanding how we can best engage with each other in a way that's going to be productive. So, Interesting. Great. Yeah. Um, Chief Jackson, um, same thing. How can... People, how can a general citizen, average citizen, get involved with helping make communities more safe? Well, the, the community is the eyes and ears of a police department. That's what I like to refer to them as. We can't do our job without cooperation from citizens. It's, we, it's just not going to be effective. Uh, we need people to call us when they have information about something to be cooperative or where they see something that's just not the norm in their neighborhood or their community. Because if anyone knows the community, you know, well, it's the citizen that lives there. They know it better than anyone. So we need people to report things that are that look different, might be suspicious, and to keep us informed of what's going on. And to don't hesitate to call. Um, we we have to work with them. Mm-hmm. And you have. Even a, a, an anonymous tip sign, yes. too, as yeah. well. Yeah, and plus the, our social media uh, pages, we, we do receive a lot of information from that, and that's great. That's a, that's a new, a newer avenue that we're using, and it's been very effective. Mm-hmm. People report a lot on social media because social media is very popular, and we're going to use it. Can you remind us of the phone number for the tips line? Because it was mentioned on Monday, and I, I still I only know that the last four digits are tips. Tips, it's yeah. Four, is it four eight three? No, I'm, I'm. It's four eight three. Four eight three tips. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look. So yeah, I think it. it seven one six. Yes. Seven one six, of course. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Sheriff Quattrone, when it comes, I mean, countywide, I mean, what can 
an average citizen do to help keep their community safe or in terms of also working with the sheriff's department? I think both what Tamu and the, the chief said is, you know, community engagement, meaning, um, you know, through the COVID, we, we kept on hearing about social distancing. Yeah, I, I, another term I disliked, mm -hmm. um, I would rather it be called spatial distancing mm -hmm. because we're social beings and mm -hmm. I think we needed to have that socialization going on um, to prevent some of the mental health issues. Mm -hmm. um, so while I could be six feet apart, that doesn't mean I, I can't socialize and I can't mm -hmm. talk. Um, I think the neighborhood I live in, I live in now, I live on the north side of the city. And um, a great example is uh, last year, uh, just after Christmas, there was two young men walking around the neighborhood knocking on doors asking where the sheriff lived. And uh, one of the neighbors uh, didn't know him real well, because um, I recently moved into that neighborhood. He contacted the sheriff's office, um, and Jamestown police showed up, but those young men were already on my porch uh, talking. They had a legitimate question for me. And uh, so it was a great interaction with them, but uh, also to have the, the police show up. But my takeaway from that is, is the neighborhood was watching out for each other. Mm -hmm. And um, as Tamu had mentioned, is, is I think society has left when I moved in, um, not to this neighborhood, but the, the neighborhood before, I had a neighbor come over and introduce himself and say, it's probably the last time you're going to see me because we don't socialize around here. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and that, that's the sad part. Um, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that uh, um, you know, whether you want to call it nosy neighbors, uh, but that's what we need. Mm -hmm. we, we want nosy neighbors. We want neighbors who are going to be paying attention to what's going on. And, um, you know, to, to say hi, but if they recognize that something's going on in, in, around a house or around somebody else's residence, uh, to contact us. And, um, and that, that goes no matter where you live. If, you're, um, if your closest neighbor is a mile away, there's somebody driving by at different times um, and, and report that. Um, but we, again, that, that interaction um, between law enforcement and the community is important in breaking down some of those barriers. Um, I'm not sure if it was this question or another, but uh, Timmy would mention the transparency. Um, we need to be transparent with the public, yeah? and we'd like them to be transparent with us. As the chief uh, had mentioned, uh, when, we, when you witness something, be willing to talk with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, that is how we're going to solve crimes, uh, is the eyes and ears that are out there on a, on a daily basis. And they know what's normal in the neighborhood. Uh, we're us driving through a neighborhood. We may not always see something that's out of place. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and thinking, it's like this conversation reminds is there still a neighborhood watch program in Jamestown? <clears throat> we, we've, we've tried to revitalize it, and we're still working on that, but we're finding that people are more more apt to use an app like the Ring app. Mm -hmm. There's an app that we have that we put out on our social media page where you can, uh, and it's free app, to the Ring app, and we put out information over that and vice versa, and we get, <laughs> again, they've provided us video footage of uh, somebody stealing from a porch or whatever. Oh, this, so this is the Ring doorbell. Yeah. Where yes, but there's a Ring Neighbors app. Oh. Okay. So we, we found that's been pretty effective. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I know on the north side we have a, a north side neighborhood um, messenger page. Mm -hmm. um, so when things are happening, we're letting it, each other know what's going on in the neighborhood. Um, it, some of the things that are suspicious as well as just some of the positive things that are going on. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I think that's a beneficial 
uh, tool for those who have access. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's not going to work for everybody, but um, yeah, we, we need to start being creative. Mm -hmm. And whether, you know, neighborhood watches programs are great, but it, they so often seem like they start off really well and then people lose interest. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yes. Um, so. It's, it's hard to organize things sometimes and keep mm -hmm. them going. So, yes. mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we, we do have um, a couple questions from the audience, and one specific to JPD. And the question was, I've seen a lot of progress for the JPD made with local hires. How many offices are now Jamestown residents? Do you happen to know this question? Answer question. The exact number, uh, I can only say there's several more. I don't know the number off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. So how many officers are total in the police departments right now? Right now we are at 61. Hmm, 61. Would you, no, I guess you, it would be hard to say, yeah. So we don't, that might be something, if, you, if you're able to um, maybe look sure. it up and email me after the fact, for, for those who are listening, that we, we might be able to at least include that information when we, sure. when we uh, put this, uh, rebroadcast this, I should say. We, we will put it online, so. I, I will add that we, we started our hiring off the resident list. It's a list where they're all city residents. And many of our recent hires, well, all of them except for two, were off that city list. Right. But I don't, I would have to do a tally with the, okay. all the officers to give you the exact number. All right. But that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. And then... Since that was such JP, I'm not going to ask the, uh, the uh, Timu or, or Sheriff that question. So, um, yeah, I want to know. Well, that's next, the second question, I'll read this out loud. This is, I am so glad we have such a great network initiated on the local level. However, what can we do about the targeted violence from criminals who live outside of our community and have narcotic, vendetta, narcotic vendettas or gang activity? Mm -hmm. That is very scary and detrimental to the growth of our small town. So, yeah, mm -hmm. something yep. that was mentioned on Monday. Is that right? You know? That's exactly what we're doing. We're mm -hmm. collaborating with our local, federal, all our partners in law enforcement, Dunkirk Chief, I mean, everybody. And because of that affiliation with out of town, uh, the FBI is gonna be very valuable, as every department's gonna be valuable, but they will help us link everything together. So that is what we're doing, we're collaborating, and that's why, I mean, we had a meeting yesterday, as a matter of fact, all of us. So in the collaboration we're talking about with the FBI is they have a initiative called Safe Streets, mm -hmm. and um, so their main hub is out of Buffalo, um, they have a division of that or uh, arm of that that's in Niagara County, one that's in Monroe County, and then our goal is to have one here in uh, Chautauqua County, uh, primarily the Jamestown-Dunkirk areas, but throughout the county. And um, as the uh, question indicated, is they're seeing uh, um, the officers or those people on the task force in the Erie County right now uh, re recognizing that you know individuals from the Buffalo area, Rochester, are coming to Jamestown. And if we can start working together, being able to share those names and share that information back and forth, um, that's how we're going to hopefully be able mm -hmm. to um, start to uh, limit and, uh, you know, I'd like to say eliminate the problem, but uh, um, I think we're going to have to work and, and continue to work hard to do that. Mm -hmm. And something that um, Chief Jackson, you brought up before on Monday's press conference is that with working with the FBI, that it changes some of how arrests are done or necessary or with charges when you bring in federal charges. 
and you know, since we were talking a little bit about bail reform, how does that change the, that whole situation? Well, if they're prosecuted federally, and obviously that's not every time that's, you know, that's somebody else's decision to make, but if someone is prosecuted federally, bail reform doesn't apply because it's under federal laws. And typically, it carries a lot more weight. It has a lot more teeth to it when, you're pro when someone is prosecuted federally. So we're hoping to, to use that as a deterrent as well to stop this. So, and I actually do have a third question that was submitted. So I thank you, thank you to listeners who are, and people who are viewing who are submitting questions. And uh, reading through here, in many communities, culturally, citizens will not, quote unquote, snitch, especially when it's related to drug or gang alliances. How do we break up these allegiances that rely on criminal activity for income, stature, and protection? You know, it's, it's a... It is a subsection of a general community. Big city crimes are too intense for a small town. So I, you mentioned we mentioned the tips line before, and I don't know who wants to take this first, but so what do you do when you have a situation when people don't want to tattle or call in information? Well, I think part of the question is also mm -hmm. how to dismantle mm -hmm. uh, yes. an organization. And that's simply one by one. I mean... The FBI talked about with our meeting about how you start taking out key players and then more people uh, are more willing to talk when they're, you know, if you're looking at a hierarchy of crime, a pure crime pyramid, if you start taking out real high important players in that pyramid, I think the lower level people are more willing to come forward. Mm. And I think Again, part of this initiative is is to have some uh, community engagement and really working with our communities, advising them what we're doing, um, letting them know we are working hard getting rid of this criminal element and uh, hopefully getting them the punishment that they need. But I believe that the, the communities need to realize that, um, to feel comfortable to know that something's going to actually happen. Um, if, if right away the individuals are right back into the same house that uh, we may have just served warrants on um, because, you know, so many of these individuals due to the bail reform are coming right back. And um, so there is a fear of reporting it when they realize that the people are going to come right back. And that's where we're trying to use some of the federal um, legislation to um, have some more teeth in, in their charges so the individuals aren't coming back right away. Um, to, that community engagement, I think, is going to be important um, to let the different uh, cultures and uh, to connect with them and to say, hey, we, we feel what's going on. We understand what's going on. Now let's try to uh, come up with a resolution. Tumu, I mean, you're your former city council member. <laughs> and, you know, so obviously you work with the community. And you get a sense for, you know, what citizens in Jamestown are feeling about uh, do you get the sense that people are afraid to, you know, turn on activity, you know, people in their neighborhoods that they're seeing illegal activity? And do you have any sense for maybe how we can work to break up some of these allegiances? I, I think that there are certain communities who, who, have, who have just, that's just kind of been the way they've been for, you know, long, a long time. So it's, it's uh, I, I, I haven't, 
um, experienced it personally myself, but I, you know, I do recognize the challenge of getting people who just, we're not going to talk, we don't say anything, we don't snitch. And it's been ingrained for a long time. So building that trust is going to be key. I don't know where exactly those communities are, but we certainly do have them. Because I think from what the sheriff has said, you know, what's going to happen if this person doesn't remain in jail or the charges are dropped or, um, you know, are they going to hurt one of my loved ones if I say anything? And so there is a level of intimidation that those those bad players do give to a community. And, you know, it, it, it takes um, it takes some strong people to kind of stand up to the bullies. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, when you're when you've been um, kind of conditioned not to say anything, it becomes a little bit harder to do. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a work in progress for a while because of just what it's always been. This is how we this is what we just do. So it's, it's going to take some really intentional work. And hopefully with maybe some of the federal legislation that they've been talking about, we can assure people that you know, when we take this person away or when you call this in, this is what's going to happen. And uh, until, I think that's probably like the last, oops, I'm my glasses. It's probably like the last, I would say, one of the last pieces of law enforcement where there might be some mistrust is, it's not necessarily law enforcement, really. It's our, kind of like our, maybe our judicial system and how things are um, weighed with regard to misdemeanor or felony and is it, you know, a state charge, federal charge, or whatever. So, um, when people don't understand or don't really have a good grasp of when a person gets arrested, what happens next and why what happens next, then they just believe that nothing's being done. So it's uh, I think it's an, I think it's also an education, yes. to be honest with you, um, of of what that <clears throat> means when you know law enforcement is called and the person is taken into handcuffs and you know what they're being charged with, and until we can get people to understand what happens when they make this phone call or they call this tip in, there's going to be a kind of a level of, I'm not quite so sure this is going to be worth it for me to do because I don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. So. so, and actually, maybe because people don't know, I mean, Tim, can you, what happens when someone calls in a tip? Is there, I mean, is there a general practice for how anonymous tips are handled? Uh, depending on the tip, but there's always follow-up. And, and like Tamu mentioned, People don't know what happens after that tip, but I can I can tell you that it's always followed up on, always. Mm -hmm. Is it? I mean, and for someone to say, well, if I call in and I give them this information, so, so an officer will get back with them at that point, at some point, or depending on the situation, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our tips are anonymous, so oh, okay. they won't. Right. But um, the, every tip is followed up on. Mm -hmm. I think that's where that community engagement, take that and make it into a community education as well. Um, but like so many things, I, I, I know um, city had a meeting over Washington School um, last week or two weeks ago mm -hmm. and yeah, not a lot of people showed up. And right. uh, so, you know, we need the community to get involved. So when there's meetings like that, when there's meetings, uh, engagement meetings with the community, uh, the best way to solve a problem is to get input from everybody. So right. the more people that can show up, the better it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, um, is the police memorial ceremony open to the public next week? Yes, at All Tracy right? Plaza. So yeah, if, if you can tell, if you want to tell listeners the details of that event happening. Uh, noon on Friday the 20th, 
um, there will be a, a ceremony there for, open to the public right outside on Tracy Plaza, assuming the weather's cooperative. All right. <laughs> well, we'll cross our fingers yeah. for that. So. Um, I have no other questions from which it was glad to have some questions, but I want to thank you all three of you again for coming and participating on this panel and also thank you to our audience. Uh, you will be able to view this presentation online for free on our Facebook YouTube channel and it will air on WRFALP.com again and it will be on our airways as well again next week Thursday at 5 p.m. On behalf of WRFA, the Rachel and A Center for the Arts Team and Cranky Play Productions, thank you for being with us tonight.